Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Eric Hansen, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. This week, Pastor Eric teaches about how to pray and the role prayer plays in the life of a believer today. Following the message, take a look at the episode description to see scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. Jesus uh, constantly spoke about prayer. And our jump off point this morning, uh, Matthew 7, 7, says, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. So Jesus told us that we should be praying. Then he was asked, hey, can you teach us how to pray? And that's when he said, yeah, in Luke 11 and Matthew 6, he said, yeah, you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, deliver us from evil, and all the power and the glory is yours. So Jesus said we need to pray. Jesus prayed a lot himself. He walked his talk. Later in the scripture, 1 Thessalonians, Paul reminds us we should pray without ceasing. Now, pray without ceasing doesn't mean that you're continually on your knees saying, our Father. It means that you're in a relationship and you're communing. You're having communication with the Lord. And Jesus was always, uh, he was in beast mode, remember? He did the flip, he did the whip and flip. Jesus was in beast mode, but he also was continually in prayer mode. And so I, I, I checked some of this out. He prayed when he was alone in Matthew. He prayed when he was in public in John. He prayed before meals. He prayed before all of his important decisions, before healing people, before uh, and after healing people to do the Father's will. And then I've got a list here of, gosh, at least 35 of those things, maybe 25. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed at the Last Supper. He prayed for his disciples in Gethsemane. He prayed for himself in Gethsemane. Right before he was nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. So he's in communication. He's constantly praying and talking to the Lord. His last words on the cross, into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. And then afterwards, at the resurrection, at the ascension, Jesus constantly was in communication with the Father. Why all the instruction? Why all the instruction? Why all of the demonstration of prayer? Here's why. Because in communicating with the Father, that's the only way that you're gonna have relationship. The only way is through conversation that we build relationships. We're having no edification right now because I'm not talking to you. In fact, if anything, you're getting irritated that I'm not saying anything. They call that the silent treatment. I'm gonna give her the silent treatment. I'm gonna punish her by not communicating with her. By not talking, by not having communication with him, with her, from me to you. It's some sort of punishment. What in fact, what it does is brings alienation. There's no growth. There's no oneness of heart. There's no communication. When the relationship goes silent, that'd be a great book title, wouldn't it? When the relationship goes silent, what does that mean? When he stops talking to her or he, she stops talking to him or you stop talking to your parents or however all that goes down and the silent treatment kicks in, what happens? The relationship deteriorates. It doesn't get better. It's never the remedy. It's always a byproduct. So, 
How do conversations work? If this is what we're supposed to do, if we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to be in conversation with the Lord, which is our, our prayer, how do conversations work? I broke it down like this. In a conversation, either you're speaking, they're speaking, or no one's speaking. You speak, then there's silence, then they speak. Let me tell you a bunch of stuff, blah, 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 blah. We're out, and we're having dinner together, whatever. I talk, and then there's a pause, reflection, moment. You talk, not the silent treat, but just the, it's the ebb and flow of a conversation. It's like this, it's like music. You may never have thought of this. Well, how do you write music? Well, you write notes. You just don't write notes in music. You know what else you write? You write rests. Rest, listen to me, rests are as much music as notes. Because without it, you just have a tone. And that's not a very interesting song. But when you stop and you pause and there's syncopation, that's part of conversation. So you talk, there's, there's this silence, there's these moments of, of and pregnant moments of anticipation, and then they speak. So here's a little conversation on the phone. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, Josh, it's... Uh, it's me, thanks for taking the call. You've always been a great friend. Hey, got a favor. I was cutting the grass and I ran over Cheryl's garden hose. Broke my mower. I'm wondering if you could lend me a mower. Maybe you could help Cheryl find a new hose. Silence. And Josh says, sure, no problem. I say, thanks. What happened? I spoke, there was some silence. And then my friend spoke back. Same, same thing in prayer. What happened? In my example that I just gave you, hey, Josh, how are you? You've always been a great friend. What is that? That's adoration. That's thanksgiving. Hey, Josh, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Hey, hi, hi, you've always been a great friend. Thank you for always being a friend with me. This is my conversation before I ask for a help with a garden hose because I messed up. That's the confession, number two. Hey, you've always been a great friend. Uh, I ran over the garden hose and I broke my mower. What is that? That's my confession. This is the flow of a conversation. So I have a petition. I have a supplication. Would you lend me your mower? Hey, Josh, how you doing, man? You've always been a great friend. I broke my mower. Would you be able to lend me your mower? This is how it works. Here comes intercession. What is intercession? Intercession is a prayer for something other than me. I broke my mower so I can't cut the grass, but I broke the mower and I ran over Cheryl's garden hose, so I was wondering if you could help Cheryl out too. That's praying for somebody else. That's intercession. There's the pause. Joshua says, sure. And I say, thanks. When you have a conversation with God, this is how it works. Hey, God, sure love you. That's gratitude. That's honoring God. You're awesome. You're all powerful. You're the Lord of heaven and earth. You are God Almighty. This is how prayers are structured. I'm helping you. I'm helping you learn how to have a conversation with God. First thing out of your mouth is, hey, I really need your help. Is that how you like friends to call you? No, it's like, hey man, how you doing? 
You've always been a good friend. Hey, Ray, lend me your truck. No, that's not how that works. It's like, hey, Ray, how you doing? I love you, man. You're awesome. Uh, I broke my truck. My confession. I broke my truck. Can you borrow your truck? So the confession is, well, this is where you tell the Lord you missed the mark. God, you're awesome. You're fantastic. You know, I had this issue today, and, you know, I lied. I cussed. I was greedy. I lusted. You tell him how it got broke. He all, listen, he already knows how you're broke and how you broke it. He already knows that. Well, then why do I need to tell him? Is because there can't be restoration until there's the confession. Right? When, when little Lucy breaks something at the house and you say, hey, who broke this? And Lucy goes, not me. Well, then there's nothing but wrath coming from mom and dad because Lucy's an only child. <laughs> and mom and dad see everything, right? So there's nobody else that could have done it but Lucy. But Lucy's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, ah. It's when Lucy goes, yeah, I'm sorry, I, and then whatever. I was playing with it, I shouldn't have played with it, I pulled it off the counter, it broke. Oh, there's confession of something you already knew. She's telling you what you already know, but there can't be restoration until there's confession of what happened. Are you, tra- are you, are you, are you catching that? Yeah. This is why we tell God, I lied today. He knows you lied today, and he needs you to admit that you did, so there can be a restitution or there can be a, a, a reconciliation between you and he. So then, after you make that confession, comes the petition. That's where we ask God for his forgiveness, his guidance, his blessing. I did this, and I'm so sorry. Please help me. And then intercession, which I think is important. Because if all you ask for is your own stuff, that's kind of greedy, kind of self-centered, ego-centric. You say, no, I want, you know what would be great? I need some money, Lord. Why do you need some money? Well, um, I gave $30 to my sister. Oh, you did? Okay, well, I might be more inclined to bless you because you were generous to somebody else, right? So this is how the Lord works. When you say, I need to pray for my mom, I need to pray for my cousin, I need to pray for my uncle, I need to pray for a nation I've never been to, I need to pray for people that I don't even know. God, God really sees that. I, uh, speaking of uh, Hannah's daughters, Ryan's daughters, and, and uh, the spirit that they're sowing into these kids, I had them for a couple hours on Thursday morning this week, and we went to the Dollar Tree, the real dollar and a quarter store, uh, just down the street here. And uh, we all know that that's kind of a, a bastion of homeless people occasionally right there on uh, 5th Street, 6th Street. And so we're pulling in, and Davina pipes up. She goes, oh, that guy there, he, he looks poor. And he was sitting up against the building, and he had, you know, a half shopping cart full of his stuff, and he, he looked pretty raggedy. He goes, he looks really poor. And rather than, A, don't worry about it, forget about it, let's ignore him, or just whatever, or or not engage in that conversation. I'm totally gonna engage in that conversation. Yeah, it certainly does look like he is poor. She goes, well, we need to get him something. I said, we certainly do need to get him something. And so we went in and we shopped for Brian's, or Ryan's, Brian, Ryan's uh, 
a birthday present. He's, it's his birthday coming up. So he got zip ties, uh, zip ties, uh, super glue, and an air freshener from the, from the girls. Uh, and we wrapped those up. Um, but we got this big bottle of water for the homeless guy. And you know what the homeless guy said when we gave it to him? God bless you. Huh? Praying for people you don't know. And then Thanksgiving. Well, okay, well, great, thanks, awesome. How does it work? You speak, then there's some silence, and then they speak. So in the you speak, that's how it works. But this silence part, um, I wanna take a second and talk about meditation, uh, being contemplative. Because it's, it's something we don't do much in America because uh, the first thing we do is we walk into the house and we turn something on so there's noise. Or we get in the car, we turn something on. So there's always this constant drone of sound, oftentimes. We don't have silence enough. The world is clamoring, making all kinds of noise all the time. And what happens is when you sit still, you get really uncomfortable oftentimes because you're just left with yourself. And if you don't realize that, sit by yourself and give me your phone. I was at a funeral I won't say whose funeral. I was at a funeral a while back. I didn't really know the person. I'm sitting in the back. I'm going just to be a blessing and, and, and to be there. And it was just kind of awkward. Funeral visitation kind of things are awkward. And to look around and see the number of people on their phones at a funeral. At a funeral. I'm like, that's just not right. Because we don't like being alone. We don't like quiet. But I'm telling you, you begin to see who you are and how you think when you're all by yourself and you're alone. That's where your mind goes. Where it goes is important. And so this is that, you've spoke your prayer. You asked Joshua, you confessed, you said, you're awesome, you're great, I broke the mower, can you help me? And then there's that, can it be an awkward pause perhaps where you're wondering what Joshua will say about your request? Is he gonna go, no, I'm too busy, I can't do it right now? Or will the answer yes? This is that silence, that contemplation. In Psalm 1, blessed is the man, woman, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he meditates day and night. Well, meditation, that's a new way. No, 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 they stole it from us, like the rainbow, right? The rainbow's not bad. The rainbow's a Christian symbol. Well, meditation... I'm an advocate of you meditating, sitting in silence and meditating and listen to me. Eastern meditation, oh, and humming and just emptying. You're not emptying. What you're doing is you're filling yourself with the word of God. It's not an emptying, it's a filling. On what? You're meditating on the law day and night. Joshua 1.8. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you'll be careful to do everything written, and then you'll be prosperous. Then you will be successful. Psalm 77, 12, I will meditate on all your works and consider your mighty deeds. Selah, 71 times in the book of Psalms. Selah, you're reading along, and then all of a sudden, the author writes Selah, means, hey, hold up here, just stop. Let's pause and think about what you just read. 
Psalm 46 says, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Now listen, I get it. Women like to talk. This is a general, general uh, generalization. Generalization. Women like to talk more than men, generally speaking. Hannah. <laughs> Women like to talk more than men. I mean, it's obvious. Just go to the coffee shop, right? And the women just not bad stuff, just yakety yak 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 and the kids and, and how are you? just a second, just a second, just a second, just a second. Just about yeah, 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 yakety yakety yak, yada yada yada, da 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 da. How are the kids? How's Joe? How Joe? Did he get the job? Are you getting transferred? What about the school? What did he get? You come home, you know everything about Jan. Jan knows everything about you. Two guys. We go fishing. Who wants to go fishing with me? We'll go fishing. Go fishing. Get in the boat. You face that way. I face that way. We don't say nothing. All day. Couple grunts. boy, way to go. Good job. Big fish. Fish on. That's it. Get home. Wife says, what did you and Larry talk about? Nothing. Seriously, nothing. We talked about no thing. Well, how's his job? I don't know. I didn't ask. Well, how's his wife? She's been sick. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't ever ask. He didn't say. Come on, guys. Help me out here just a bit. You're sitting like you're afraid to say something. Say amen, pastor. That's how we are. That's how we are. It makes for very shallow relationships between men. It does. That's why when you come to Iron Man, every once in a while you gotta have a conversation that makes you feel uncomfortable. So you don't wanna come to Iron Man because you gotta have a conversation with another guy. Fight Club, what'd I say? Iron Man, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. You know. So you don't come to Fight Club, you don't come to Fight Club because you know you're gonna feel awkward for a minute when you gotta look at Miles and have a conversation about something other than, how about those bears? How about the weather? How's the job? Okay, that covered it, we're done. Right, guys? True contemplation is reflecting on the blessings of God in your life. The Selah, the Selah is not emptying your mind, but reflecting on the blessings. God, you stop, you pause, you think about his goodness. Then from that place, now, watch. Once you've said your piece, and now you've meditated on how awesome he is and how wonderful he is, he has now prepared you for his will to be given to you. You're not prepared for him to say yes, no, or wait, which are generally the three answers that he gives to any prayer. We always generally want him to say yes. God, can you please? Absolutely, he says. Or he says, no, it's not gonna happen that way. Uh. Or the just hold on, we're gonna work this out. We don't like those answers. But you are better prepared, you are better equipped, listen to me, you're better equipped to get the will of God handed to you after that contemplation, after that meditation. 
Because if you barrel headlong into your, your, your Christmas list of what you want him to do and treat him like some sort of Santa Claus or one-armed bandit at the casino and you're just hoping he's gonna pay out today, that's not how you have a conversation with somebody that you love. This is what I need, Cheryl. Here, I'm, I'm having a prayer. I'm having a conversation. Then I stop and I pause. I don't think about how horrible she is and how many times she says no and what's gonna be horrible if she, and when this, no. I think, man, she's such a great wife. I know these, and I meditate on the goodness. This is how it works in your relationship with the Lord. You, you make your intercession, you make your prayer, you go to him in, in, the, in the way that I've just enunciated, and then you pause, and in that selah, you reflect, and you're reflecting on his goodness the law of the Lord, day and night. You're like, oh, God is so good. He is so awesome. So that if and when he does come to you and says, mm, now's not the time for that, you go, oh, man, good thing I brought it to him because I know how good he is. I've just been thinking here for the last 10 minutes how awesome he is. He's not, he's not trying to hurt me. He's not trying to make my life tough. I know how beautiful he is and how wonderful and how righteous he is and what awesome decisions that he makes. So his no is the, 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 the perceived blow the hurt, the angst that would come with a no before contemplation is now softened because you've reminded yourself of how good he is. Yeah? Okay. Then he speaks. And what does he speak? How does God speak? Well, when he does, he introduces his will to whatever it is that you've just contemplated. And, and, and let me just remind you, this is how God speaks today. Number one, he reminds you in his written word as it applies to your situation. So now you've prayed the prayer, you said, God, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm needing, and what is he going to use to speak to you? Well, <laughs> a hand appeared and started writing on the wall. No, no, not for you, probably. What's gonna happen is God's going to remind you in his word what he has said about that situation as it relates to you. Do you think that that then should elevate how much you should read and know what's in here? If this is how he speaks to you, then it would be a good thing to know what's in here. And his character, oh, this is important. And his character, not just the law. Because Jesus, watch this, Jesus came, he told all of his disciples, we're here for the Jews, the Jews first, we gotta go to the Jews first, we're gonna go to the Jews first, we're here for the Jews first, we're here for the Jews first. And then he goes to Samaria and ministers to a Samaritan woman, a non-Jew. On the surface, it breaks his own rule. Because why? It's a relationship thing, it's a heart thing. So it's just not knowing the words, it's knowing the principles of the word and knowing the Father's heart. This is how he speaks. Secondly, he speaks by the confirmation of the Holy Spirit, that inner peace that comes, a conviction. The Lord confirms in dreams, doesn't he? You charismaniacs, you Pentecostals. You care, right? Dreams and visions, yes, of course. How about this one? The prophetic word. Yes, this is the logos, but what about the rhema, the live and living spoken word? God gave me a word. There was a prophet came to church and he gave me a word. Yes, that is wonderful. And that is how God speaks today. But look at the asterisk next to number one and follow the asterisk to the bottom because you only need number one to proceed. 
Well, I gotta get a word from, the, from a prophet. I, I gotta have peace in my heart about that. If you only do what God tells you to do when you have peace in your heart about it, you're not gonna accomplish anything. There's so much God asks you to do that you need to do afraid. Well, you need to have faith. Yes, faith is optimal. Faith is best case scenario. That's best practice. But if he tells you to do something and you're afraid and you use your fear as an excuse for not doing the will of God, you're a sissy. That's technical talk. Just telling this straight up. You need to do it even if you are afraid. So yes, of course, we want the spirit to confirm it. And yes, we want uh, dreams and visions. And of course, it'd be wonderful if a prophet came along. But you don't need number two. You don't need number three. And you don't need number four. All you need to do is walk on the word. When Jesus said to Peter, come, he walked on the word, C-O-M-E. Everything else you hear in prayer, all those other things, if you do hear something in number two, a word of conviction, and you do get a word from a prophet, and you do get a dream or a vision, if that dream or vision or that word from a prophet or that peace or conviction comes at the expense of contradicting the word, you've missed the mark on your number two, number three, and number four. Because all you have to do is make sure that anything you hear peripheral to the word must align with the word. This is at the top of the pyramid of information in your life as it relates to what he confirms in prayer to you. Well, I prayed and he told me that I need to do this. Well, if it doesn't align with the word of God, you've been deluded. You've been lied to. You've been tricked by the deceiver. And he's even come to you as an angel. Your best friend says they're a prophet. And I just got a word for you, brother. Just got a word for you, brother. You got X, Y, Z, and P, and you go, oh, that sounds good. That feels good because it aligns with my flesh, but it contradicts the word of God. Then your prophet friend is a false prophet. Say, okay, but listen, I got to go to the word. I got to know what the word has to say about that situation, about my life, about my marriage, about my finances, about my, about my country, about my church. I gotta know what the word has to say about that. Not what I feel about it or what some harebrained prophetess has to say about it. Are there good prophets and prophets? Yes. Are there harebrained ones? Yes. Are there good pastors? Absolutely. Are there bad pastors? Absolutely. But we don't throw all the the babies out with the bathwater. So how do you discern its origin? Well, when you get a word, so now you're praying, he said, this is, what I, this is what I believe the Lord is telling me. And maybe he's even trying to remind you from the word. There's only three sources that you can hear from as it relates to an interaction back towards you from prayer. You're gonna hear from the Lord, primarily from his word and those secondary tertiary things that I showed you. Those are possibilities, but they're all subject to the word. You've heard from the Lord. And when you hear from the Lord, that means you've heard from his word. Second option is you've heard from yourself. You've heard your own desires louder than what the word has to say. I know what the word, I know, Pastor, I know, but this, but, 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 but this is what I think, this is what I feel. Who cares? You're causing major problems for you and your life and your wife and your home and your finances. Is anybody even listening to what I'm telling you today. Because we, what we do is we let our own voice speak louder than the voice of God, and we, we end up with so many problems. 
And the third option, besides hearing from the Lord and hearing from yourself, is hearing from the enemy. You've actually heard something from the enemy and you're saying that's the will of God. So how do we fix it? Right, that would be a good answer. That'd be a great way to end a sermon, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, you wait. Watch this. Dear Lord, you're awesome. You're fantastic. Got a few things I wanna talk to you about today, God. I've really screwed up here and there and I'm needing you to, to, to fix some of that stuff for me and, and, uh, you know, and maybe some intercession and some other things. But here's the deal, God. You know, I, I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear from you. And so therefore, I silence my own voice. God, I don't want anything coming from my heart this morning as the answer to what I'm about to, to pray. And listen, in that contemplative selah, I only wanna hear your voice. And so I, I ask, Lord, that you would quiet my voice. And I quiet my own voice right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, quiet my own voice. And, and I bind the enemy, and I bind it and rebuke his ability to speak to me louder than you. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak clearly and, and, and show me specifically in your word what it is that you have for me where this is concerned or that's concerned. And then you say la. So what has happened? You said, I don't wanna hear from me and I don't wanna hear from the enemy. I only wanna hear from you. I would highly, highly suggest in your prayer life, you start adding this element to your prayer life because it's transformed how I receive my answers from the Lord. Because it used to be, hey, speak to me, Lord. You know, the old Eli uh, and Samuel thing at the end of, uh, well, at the beginning of Samuel's life when he gets dumped off by Hannah, sorry. He gives, Hannah gives, gives uh, Samuel to Eli to raise him because she's promised him and so forth. And, and Eli doesn't know anything, about, uh, Samuel doesn't know anything about the Lord. And the Lord keeps coming to him and, and Samuel just says, just go back and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's what we want. Not anybody, anybody can give me any advice. Somebody come in. Pastor, I got a word for you. God bless your heart. I'll hear it. I won't say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you false prophet. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear from God. Well, maybe you're going to do what? You will confirm. You'll confirm what I already have heard in the word. But if what you tell me contradicts that, I'll, listen, man, thanks. God bless you. It's all good. I'm not, I'm, and then you walk away. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not gonna receive that into my life. Because not everybody that comes and speaks a word over you is an accurate word. Maybe they just had a bad pepperoni pizza last night and didn't sleep well. She said, listen, I'm just, okay, so I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm saying those things can and do happen. Someone comes up and says, hey, pastor, I was praying for you the other day and this is what I saw, this is what I heard. And I go, oh man, that really aligns with the word that God has been, but if you, but if you don't have that basis, if you don't have the word as the foundation to your life, the prophet has nothing to build on. The spirit of God has nothing to tell you except here. Well, I wish God would talk to me. He has right here. So this idea that prayer is like, oh, he's gonna, I'm gonna just, and I'm gonna hear. Yeah, you might do, have all those other things, but primarily God's gonna say, well, here's how it works. I did this, I healed a blind man, I did this, I fed the 5,000. He starts reminding you of his goodness and his faithfulness and how he's gonna take care of you. And oh yeah, then they marched around the city of Jericho and then it fell and then, then the okay, great, okay. And, I'm, and, and then we sit and I'm waiting for the answer. God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. 
Does what he wants you to do align with the word of God? If it does, go for it. I want to know the will of God. What is the will of God for me? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? You come to me and say, Pastor, I, I, I believe God's telling me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I go, yeah, he is, absolutely. How does that manifest particularly with you? Well, it means in the school board meetings or it means in my neighborhood bridge club or it means in the place that we go camping every weekend or it means we're the, the bowling league that I'm in or whatever. Yeah, he's put you in those places for those reasons. Oh, I got so much to tell you. I'll, I'll stop with this. When we stop saying that certain things are secular in our lives, well, that's a secular activity. No, if you're a born-again Christian, everything you do is a sacred thing. Everything you do is a sacred thing. When you come downstairs and you help us load bricks in the, in, that's a sacred thing. When you cut your neighbor's grass, that's a sacred thing. When you buy a bottle of water for a homeless person, that's a sacred thing. You are constantly, you're constantly being observed by the Holy Spirit. Don't fall for the mistake that part of your life is secular. This will revolutionize the way that you pray. Why don't you stand up with me, please? I want to just. I want to take. I want to take a moment, and I want to kill a sacred cow. As a Christian, we say that your prayers create peace and comfort, a sense of personal empowerment, your spiritual growth, you'll be transformed. These are, listen to me, I can stand up here and tell you the reason you should pray more and the reason you should even begin praying is because your life will be transformed. There'll be spiritual growth. You'll have a sense of personal empowerment. You'll have peace and comfort. But you know the problem with that? Every one of those is centered around you and the benefit you get by praying. And guess what? It's not all about you, and it's not all about me. The first question in the Westminster Catechism, what's man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So prayer, listen to me, is less about you getting what you want and more about your life coming in tune and in harmony with his. Prayer is just me hanging out with him. And if it's just two guys facing the same direction fishing all day, that's okay. Just be with him. If it's a lot of words, let it be a lot of words. But please stop talking long enough to reflect, to Selah on how good he is. And then be prepared for the answer. And I'll, I'll close with this. Because I, as I speak about this, you might have this notion that this is a, a linear process, and it is on some level. You speak, there's some silence, and he answers. You speak, there's some silence, and then he answers. And in that silence, you're reflecting on his goodness, preparing your heart for his answer, for the revelation. But as Thessalonians told us, we should pray without ceasing. So rather than a linear thing, I want you to see it as a three-pointed triangle. That at any moment you're doing any one of those things. You're listening, you're talking, 
You're being you're being quiet. You're listening, you're talking, you're being quiet, you're talking, you're listening. You're talking, you're listening, you're being quiet. You're waiting, you're preparing yourself. This is how you live a life of prayer. Did you, did you pray this morning, Pastor? Yes, I prayed this morning. I don't know how many times I prayed this morning. I probably prayed a hundred times already this morning. Listening, yep. Contemplating, yeah. In silence, yes. So this is our lives. Because the day of persecution is coming. And if you're not prepared and you don't have a relationship with the one who's going to keep you, it's gonna be a, you can't, you just can't treat prayer like a spare tire. <laughs> you know, you have a blowout and you run to the back. Oh my gosh, I'd never checked the pressure in this thing. I hope there's, I hope I can get home on this, right? Prayer can't be a spare tire. It has to be something that's just a part of your life every day. So Father, we, we bow our hearts to you. We're just so thankful that you watch over us, that you take care of us. So there is a, there is a need that we have, God, and that is for us to strengthen this prayer relationship, this communication, and perhaps stop the silent treatment. Start praying more. Hearing from you. Come, speak to us, Lord. Let the rhythm of our life include enough silence that we can think about how good you are. Say, well, pastor, I, I just don't even know where, where to begin. I'm, 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 I'm really struggling. I need, I need someone to hold my hand. That's absolutely acceptable. To go to somebody and say, hey, I'm at a loss. Would you pray for me about my, about my, my marriage, about my home, about my kids? Would you, would you pray for me? And that person should pray in accordance with the word of God. Not necessarily what you want to hear or something manipulative, but they, they, they should pray the word of God over your life. We've got prayer teams. Prayer team, why don't you just step out and come on down front. If you need prayer this morning, we're here to pray for you. We'll pray for you. We'll stand in the gap with you. Just step out right now. Come on down. We'll pray for you. You need to give your life to the Lord? Come on down. We'll pray for you. You say, I got to get my life right. I need somebody to pray with. Just come on down. Step on out. Come on down right now. That person next to you will move. Just step out. Just go ahead. Just step out. Say, excuse me, I have to. just going to go down there and get some prayer. That's powerful. That's powerful. And the rest of us, as we pray for our families and our home, our country, as we intercede, as we stand in faith, God, let your word be at the top of the pyramid of things that we stand on. Thank you, God, for revelation. Thank you for Raymond word. Thank you for prophets and prophets, prophetesses. But above all, God, your word. May we be true to you as we enter these last days, putting you first in our lives. And we'll bless you, Father. We'll honor you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more information about who we are. 
You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.